And of course we are continuing our series of lessons through this book of Galatians. And actually hitting chapter 5, I have kind of slowed down a little bit. I want to deal with some verses uh, beginning at verse 16 and down to verse 21. And then probably next week we're going to start I think a series of lessons on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm uh, still praying about that, but I, I think that's what is likely coming. So uh, I hope by now everybody's there. Let's begin to read. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we're going to stop there for this morning. And if you would, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we want to pray for your help as uh, as we begin to study your word. We pray that our thoughts would be guided by you. We pray that our our wills would be uh, pliable to you, Lord, that you can mold and shape us. And Lord, just do a work in us. And I pray that if somebody in that's hearing this isn't saved, Lord, that they would be saved today. Um, I know that's your desire, but Lord, we pray that you would work strongly upon all of us to work your will in us. And we give this time to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an outline that I'll share with you and then I'll probably uh, not follow it very closely, but but I feel like it, it might be helpful to some just to kind of think about uh, what we're seeing in these verses. So, number one, I wrote down, and I will, I will probably mention these again, but uh, there's a concept to be grasped. There's a conflict to be faced. And then there's a conduct to be avoided. And I see that as we uh, take these verses and just kind of begin to, uh, you know, open them up and learn from them. So we've had several lessons, of course, upon uh, dealing with the with Christian freedom, the liberty that we have in Christ. And we talked a lot in, of course, the first three chapters about the fact that we're not saved by works of the law, Um, and now we've been talking about just this freedom that we have in Christ. We're free from the condemnation of sin. We're free from the uh, domination of sin over our lives. Christ has given us that freedom. We have it in Him. And um, we're going to kind of continue that theme, but uh, how to really, you know, sometimes we hear about the freedom that we have, but we don't actually experience it all that much. 
Uh, at least it seems that way. We're, we're lacking in that experience. And, and I want to encourage you today with uh, how we can have that freedom not to live any way we want, but free to serve the Lord, free to uh, live a clean life. And so, just like, I want you to think about this for a moment, just like salvation is not by the law, neither is sanctification by the law. Now, we've been saying this a lot, that we're not under the law and all these things, and, and I want to make sure that we recognize the fact that the law it doesn't mean that we just discard the law <coughs> or that it is of no value to us because that would be uh, that would be a wrong way to think because that's not true um, <coughs> excuse me the law uh, is a teacher and as we saw back in chapter three he called it like a schoolmaster a teacher that instructs us. And although the law could not save us, but it does bring us to the point where we know we need to be saved. Because when you, when you measure yourself up against the law, we all fall short. We all find ourselves as transgressors of God's law, which we would probably use the word just simply sin. We all sin. Sin is the missing of the mark. It's the breaking of God's law. And until we really recognize that, that's why Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician. Uh, you don't go to the doctor unless you're sick. But sin, to many people, is an imperceivable cancer that uh, they either ignore or really aren't much aware of. But once we put ourselves under this MRI of the law, all of a sudden our, our sinfulness becomes very apparent. Uh, because how much we break, how much we disobey, how much we you know, uh, don't govern ourselves by the law. And so it's, it's an important teacher to bring us to Christ, to, bring us to, to point us to the fact that we need to be saved, and then uh, obviously... Uh, ultimately, the only one who can save us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when it comes to the area of sanctification, which is to say, to, and we grow in our sanctification to become more separated is what that word means, but it means to be more holy, separated from sin in our life, separated from uh, evil and wickedness and worldly things in our life. And again, the law is a teacher. The law can't, can't force the application, but it does give us good information. Um, because again, uh, and here we talk about the moral law, the ceremonial law that the Israelites followed in the Old Testament. Uh, now, we, those things are instructive as well, and it's good to read the Old Testament, but we don't, we don't have those sacrifices, we don't have those uh, feasts, and those, uh, you know, the Passover and things like that. Because Christ fulfilled all of those. And He is our Passover. He is our sacrifice. He is those, he, he, you know, He's those things to us. But the moral laws of God are still there to teach us of how uh, God would desire us to live. Right? I think we're all in agreement. 
Um, I remember teaching this, and I remember first being taught this, that when you try to determine God's will for your life, and sometimes we feel like that's a mystery, but it really shouldn't be. We find the will of God for our lives really by studying the Scripture. But I, I remember this principle that was taught to me, and I, and I, th- I thought it was so important, I've taught it to you as well, is that um, the Lord will never lead you to do something that is contrary to His Word. Right? So if somebody comes to you and says, you know, well, it's God's will that I, you know, that I uh, live with my girlfriend and we're not going to get married, you can say, you're full of baloney. That's not God's will. Because that's against Scripture. Are you with me? All right. And so God never guides us against what He's revealed in His Word. So in the same way, if we are to walk in the Spirit, we're going to see this this morning, if we walk in the Spirit, if we're walking in God's will, then we're going to be, uh, you know, one of the ways we can gauge that is by uh, the fact that we're keeping His commandments. We're following His ways. Because He doesn't lead us contrary to them. So, we saw uh, last time Remember how I had three guys up here? And you remember their names? No, their names wasn't Cameron, Josh, and Thomas. Their name was uh, the natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. And those were categories in which we can really place everybody into. All, every congregation can be divided into those three categories. All humanity can be divided. And there's two major categories that God really, when it comes down to what God sees, um, a lot of the ways we divide up society is irrelevant to God. Like, if you look back at chapter 3, I think it's verse 23 maybe. No, that's not it. Uh, Oh, 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, we divide people along those lines, Jew and Gentile, racial divisions. Uh, What did he say here? Bond and free. You know, the bond where the the servants, the, the slave strata, whatever the whatever you call that, the, the poor people, and then the free, the rich, the, the masters, you know. That's the way the ancient world was divided. You had these classes of people, um, male and female and so on, and they're still male and female, of course, but but um, God, you know, as far as in Christ we're all one. You know, those those kind of distinctions go out the window. They're not important, they're irrelevant. But what is important and what God does divide us into as saved and lost. Those are the important categories. You're either saved by the grace of God, you've either been born again, and you have eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're still in your sin and you're lost. Those are the, those are the big categories. And it's important that we understand them and, and really be able to uh, dis- I was going to say divine. That's not 
I don't know, we're able to understand what, um, what category we fall into. So, figure that out. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Or are you still a sinner, lost, without Christ? Now, that takes care of you know, two of these guys, but then there was a third guy because within the saved category, there's a distinction between the spiritual and the carnal. Because you can be saved and you, know, you have the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that clearly in a minute. But you can also be walking in the flesh and be carnal. Not spiritual, not, a, not really following the Lord, not you know, daily walking with God, but living just by the old instincts of, of your nature. And so, we, we've learned those things. To live a free life, back at verse 13, we're not to make provision for the flesh or an occasion for the flesh but to serve with love. You see, living, we're now free in a sense in which we were never free before to really serve the Lord and, and to serve in love. I, I said this at camp. I know I've said it here many times, but I, I honestly mean this from the bottom of my heart. I, I know it's true. Is I really didn't understand what it meant to love until I was saved. I honestly didn't. Love was meaning basically you loved yourself and you know you you did some things for others so what you could get out of it basically. And you know there's always those ulterior motives. That seemed to be characteristic of the way I was taught to love at least. I don't know about you. And really, you know, to to learn the love of God was so incredible to me. Because I had never really sensed love that was so perfect. That was so unconditional. That was so, uh, you know, constant. I mean, I had parents that loved me and, and I knew that, but, but you still felt as though, you know, you could, you could violate that to a point where they, they would give up on you or something. Now, I don't know. I've never tested that. I hope, I hope never to do that. But the point is, I, I honestly never felt that security of love that I learned once I became a Christian. And to be able to love others. I, I don't know. There was, there was a capacity to love that I had never had before. That's a freedom that I have in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. So, that's just a little bit of a, again, setting the, the stage for what we need to learn here this morning. <coughs> but we need to understand again, and this is where we left off last week, that the liberty we have, the freedom we have in Christ is not to live any way we want, but it's to free to love and serve the Lord and to be obedient. Let me read you a couple of verses and we'll move forward. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, we read this I think last week, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. But notice this verse, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. 
You see, we couldn't keep the law before. We always broke it. But now, the righteousness of God through Christ, and the He helps us to fulfill the righteousness of the law. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In 1 John 5, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Used to be to me, commandments were grievous. You know, even my parents' commandments sometimes were grievous, right? Like, ah, why do I have to do that? But now it's, I get to do that. And I enjoy doing that. It's not grievous to me. You see, that's the evidence of the, the regeneration of God in our life. Now, this concept to be grasped, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're told here to walk in the Spirit. Now, it probably was self-evident in a way um, to most of you when you got saved and perhaps you knew this from because you grew up in Sunday school and so on that when you get saved and you've heard me say this a hundred times the Holy Spirit lives in us right um, we've, we learned that in the scriptures Jesus said this in John 14 if ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was living with his disciples, and of course the Holy Spirit he, he, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But he said to the disciples, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you just you know, hanging. The Holy Spirit is with you, but he will be in you. In um, Romans chapter 8, again, in verse 9, it says, But ye are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So that, that really, when you boil that statement down, it's saying that if you do not have the Holy Spirit, then that, is, that means you're not saved. Because every saved person, every believer, has the Holy Spirit. Okay? But, you know, I, I, I say that because there might be some of you, now I remember hearing this and I thought, wow, really? Uh... You've heard me talk about different preachers that influenced my life. One of them was Lauren Dawson. And Brother Dawson, he's, he said this. I've heard him say it a couple of times. He said, one time, when I, just after I got saved, a preacher stood up and he read 1 Corinthians 6.19 that says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own? He read that verse and you know it says, "What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost?" And Brother Dawson said, "No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but now I do." So I don't know if there's anybody here this morning that didn't know that, but you do now. You know, and there were those even in Acts chapter 19 when Paul said, 
have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So, you know, there's a possibility that some of you uh, might not have learned this. But do learn it, this principle, this concept, that all believers have the Holy Spirit. And we're told to walk in the Spirit. Notice what he says later in uh, chapter 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now you have the Spirit, and your eternal life is there, and the Spirit you know, has regenerated you. So you have life through the Spirit, but now you're to walk in the Spirit. And what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, before I describe that to you, I want to talk to you a minute about the conflict that we face. We have this directive to walk in the Spirit so that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, I, of course, had all those memory verses from camp running around in my head all week. And so they're going to come out today in this sermon. Um, the theme that Pastor Stastny had chosen, although I never saw it in print, it could have been on the paper and I just missed it, but, but I could tell from the verses that the theme was about overcoming. Because all of our memory verses, well, all but one, had the word overcome or overcoming in them. The first verse was in Romans 8, 30, what was it, 37. He said, Nay, in all these things ye are more than, and here he uses the word conquerors, through him that loved us. So to be a conqueror, you know, is to be a victor, a winner, right? We understand that word. And it's similar to overcome, to be, to be an overcomer. So here he tells us we are more than conquerors. What a blessing that is. That's great, right? And, and that's just a statement. It's a statement of truth. It's a fact. Nay, he says, you know, what, he says who can be against us, who can charge us with anything. He says, nay, nobody. For in Christ we are more than conquerors. So that's, that's a good statement. Um, the next verse we uh, learned was 1 John 4, 4, where he said, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. For greater is he, come on you at camp, say it with me, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? All right, so again, here we're told a wonderful statement. Uh, You know, you are of God, little children. That's a great statement. And you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is in us. Than he that is in the world, who's in the world? Satan. But you don't have to fear Satan. You don't have to be defeated by Satan because greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Now, those were good verses. But then we learned a couple more. The next one is, it was an easier verse to learn because all it says in Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And then we learned Second uh, Peter 2.19. Now, Pastor Stastny, he is actually, you know, he makes us say them to eat, but he's pretty lenient. And he only gave us half of this verse. And it says this, For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. So, now follow these verses. So first we're told we are overcomers. We're told that we are conquerors in Christ. And it's true. But then he says, um, don't be overcome with evil. And of whom a man is overcome, he is brought into bondage. So, we are overcomers, but we can be overcome by evil. We can be brought into bondage. And here's the thing. Um, I said that we have liberty to love and serve the Lord. We have a freedom to obey God. But why is it that sometimes we find that hard to do? Why is it that we're not overcomers? Why are we overcome with evil? Well, our text kind of gives us the answers to that. He says to walk in the Spirit. And you need to do that because only when you do that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you see the contrast? Basically, you have a choice. You can walk in the Spirit... And when you walk in the Spirit, we're going to see next time there's the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, and those things will characterize your life. But if you don't walk in the Spirit, you're going to be overcome with the world and the flesh and the kind of behavior you see in verse 20, 21. Those are the things that will overcome your life. So do you want to be an overcomer or do you want to be overcome? I don't know how to impress upon you how important it is that we walk in the Spirit. Because sometimes I think we think that we can get through this world just by our own wisdom and our own energy. But when we do that, we're fooling ourselves. Because you will be overcome. If you don't walk in the Spirit... Look at verse 17. I I pondered this verse for a while. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But let's read it. It says, For the flesh lusteth... The word lust means desires, basically. The flesh desires things that are against the Spirit. And the Spirit, things that are against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. Now that part of the verse I understand very well. It's not hard, right? The old nature that we were born with, this fallen nature that we inherited from Adam, lust for sin. That's why we're all sinners. It, it, that's just the nature of it. I, I don't know how to ex- describe it any better than that. Um, we have this flesh that is bent toward sin and, and left to itself, it's going to sin. And that's the direction it's heading. But the Holy Spirit in us is moving us in a different direction. So there's the battle, there's the struggle. 
I almost thought about bringing two guys up here and letting them wrestle a little bit, you know. But, um, <clears throat> but you know, there's that push and you know push back and and it's back and forth and back and forth. This, you remember how, I mean, the Lord said, you know, to Peter, watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what is weak. That's why Paul said, uh, you know, in chapter seven of Romans, the things that I would. I do not, and the things I would not, I do. Because this, there's this constant battle with the flesh. And if you're saved, you know what that is, because we all experience it. But this verse, it was the last part of the verse that I, that I wondered about, I pondered on this. It says, so that she cannot do the things that she would. So the first part is the struggle. The flesh is lusting against the spirit, the spirit is against the flesh, and they're contrary and the result is you cannot do the things that you would. And I wondered about that, and, and I still don't know, because I, I think it can go both ways. Does that mean that you want to do what the Spirit leads you, but the flesh is resisting you? Or is it that you want to do what the flesh wants to do, and the Spirit is resisting you? Do you see what, what I'm saying? That you cannot do the things that you would. Maybe it's like Paul was saying that I would do what is right in the sight of God, but my flesh keeps hindering me. My flesh keeps stumbling me in this effort. Maybe that's what he's saying. Or Paul also had times where he wanted to do something and the Holy Ghost forbade him from doing it. Now, I think more often than not, it's that the Spirit is willing, but our flesh is getting in the way. But again, they're contrary. And if we do not walk in the Spirit, which one's going to overcome us? The flesh. And then there's these... uh, conducts that we should avoid because these are the works of the flesh and we see them in verse 20 and 21 I'm not going to go into a long explanation of those things basically, or verse 19 actually the works of the flesh in verse 19 these are kind of immoral sexual type sins he mentions adultery, fornication, uncleanness lasciviousness you can look all those words up but it's it's essentially you know, carnal lusts of that nature. Verse 20 seems to talk more about uh, religious sins, idolatry and witchcraft and heresies and stuff like that. So there's, you know, there's these immoral lusts, these sensual desires. There are even, you know, spiritual wickedness false teaching and false beliefs and superstitions and stuff like that. There's also verse uh, 21, and this goes on, but these are just, I guess, miscellaneous, general, uh, selfish sins, envying and murders, which is, you know, hatred even to the degree of murder, drunkenness and revelings and such like. Now he says, I tell you this, that these things are... You know, this is, this is what they do that don't inherit the kingdom of God. But this should never be the characteristic of a, of a believer. 
Because the Spirit of God is to, you know, guide you out of that. So let's let's just talk a minute about what it means to walk in the Spirit. I, I think it's interesting that he uses this term walk. Because walk is active. Uh, some, sometimes, you know, uh, we, we, it's kind of a hard thing to balance in my mind. We, because on the one hand, we know, uh, let me just say it this way, I know that I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability in me to live the godly, loving, serving Christ, the, the life the Spirit wants me to live. In myself, I don't have that power. So I know that, you know, like preaching, I understand that, um, you know, I, I don't have what it takes to be a preacher, a pastor, in my own ability to really be able to impart anything that's going to be helpful, anything that's going to be, you know, do a spiritual work in the lives of people. That's not in me. That has to be by the power and the grace of God. I understand that. I understand that living, just simply living the Christian life to be an overcomer, I don't have what it takes to do that in me. It has to be by the power and the strength, the energy of the Holy Spirit of God. But sometimes we hear that and we think, okay, so I can't do it, so I'm just going to be passive and lay down and I guess God's going to have to do it for me. But we're not to be passive either. We have to walk we have to move, I have to study, I have to speak, and then the Spirit of God empowers that. It's not, it's not passivity, it's actively, you know, we do the walking, He does the leading. What does it say in um, verse 18? But if you are led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So there is a responsibility on my part to walk. He'll lead. And all I need to do is follow. He gives the strength to my legs. You know, if we, we think about this in a spiritual sense, uh, walking, we, we, I can't walk spiritually without His power, but I have to get up and start moving. Are you with me? Because it's important to understand that. Sometimes we just want to lay back and say, okay, Lord, you've got to do it. No, God told Noah to get up and build the ark. I'll take care of the rest. I'll bring the animals. I'll, you know, I'll bring the flood, but you've got to build the ark. God, all through the Bible, He tells us what, you know, we have a responsibility. And we can either walk in the flesh or we can walk in the Spirit. But we need to walk. He does the guiding. He gives the strength. He makes us the overcomer. But we have to move and take the action. You know, I, I wrote down in my notes, we do the witnessing. He does the convicting. We do the service and He blesses it. We do the sowing and the watering and He gives the increase. There's a partnership in this walk. But we have to walk in a manner that pleases Him. So, we're going we're gonna to learn later, not today so much, what the fruit of the Spirit is. 
And what the fruit of the Spirit is, though, in general, is that it's an indication of whether or not we're walking in the Spirit. You say, how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, is your life characterized by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? If that's, that's the characteristic of your life, then you're, you're walking in the Spirit because that's the product of the Spirit. But is your life characterized by uh, adulterous thoughts and fornication, uncleanness? Is your life characterized by hatred and wrath and envying and strife? <coughs> Those are indications that you're walking in the flesh. And sometimes when that flesh is pushing you to be angry or to be envious, you have to crucify the old flesh. You have to push back and say, No, Holy Spirit, help me. Put those things away. Paul says it in Ephesians like this, Put off the old man and put on the new. In some places in the Bible he says to crucify or to mortify, to put to death. He says it in, um, where is it at, uh, in verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now again, we don't do that in our own strength. But He helps us as we do it. (coughs) We read some time ago, not so long ago, in Ephesians where He says, Let him that stole steal no more. So if you're a thief, you better quit it. You know, that's what he's saying. Stop. It's up to you to stop. The Holy Spirit will help you to stop. But you've got to stop. And do the opposite. He said, and uh, let him work with his own hands to give to others. So here, I'm trying to wrap this up for you because our time's running away. But it's so important that you understand this. God has given us His Spirit. We have that. He's given us victory. We are overcomers. But we have to apply and utilize what He's given us. To walk in the Spirit, uh, He's given us some tools. This is one of them right here. The more time you spend reading and studying and meditating and just thinking about the Scripture, this is the spiritual food. The Bible talks about it. And what are you doing it says in Romans 12, he says, uh, you know, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. How do you do that? How do you transform your mind? How do you get your thinking aligned right? How do you get guided by the Holy Spirit? A lot of that has to do with reading the Scripture. If you don't read your Bible every day, you're going to be overcome with evil. You're going to be overcome by the flesh. You can just... I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you it's true. You can mark it down. And every one of you that are struggling, you say, I'm not an overcomer. I'm I'm just not living in the Spirit. I'm walking in the flesh. I, I can just almost bet, guarantee, that if I ask you this question, do you read your Bible every day, you're going to say no. Because you're not putting, you're not walking. You've sat down and you're going to be overcome. Prayer is so important. 
to pray without ceasing. Why does the Lord tell us these things? Because this is how we can be filled with, guided by, and empowered by the Spirit of God. When we live in His Word, and we walk in His presence, and we pray, and we fellowship with Him, and we fellowship with with His church, His people. We, in Sunday school, Brother Rick was teaching us about uh, the Exodus, and out in the desert they were told... Here's manna on the ground. Every day you can pick up so much, but not more than so much. Don't take enough for two days. And when it comes to Friday, get enough for two days because Saturday you're not going to get any. It's the Sabbath. And we all know that they didn't listen. Some went out and got two days worth on Monday, and on Tuesday they got up and it was stinky and full of worms. And Moses said, you, you stiff-necked people, why won't you listen? And on Saturday, there were people out looking for manna because they didn't gather enough on Friday. And you know why they do that? Why do we do that? Because we we, we reason with ourselves and our flesh says, well, why do I, I don't need to go out every day. That's silly. Why don't I just get enough for two days? Some things the Lord tells you to do, you might say, well, is it that important, really? I mean, honestly, do I have to do it that way? Don't we do that? You know, why? How many times have I met people that claim to be Christians and they say, well, you know, you don't have to go to church. It's not that important. Okay. Do I have to read my Bible, you know, so much every day? Can I just read it twice a week? Is that enough? Yeah, go ahead and try it. But you'll be overcome by evil. When we obey and we put away sin, we put away the the flesh. And it's something that you know you put it you put it away. Don't think that's the end, because it's going to jump out of that box and be there again tomorrow. And it's a daily walk is daily. We have to walk in the Spirit every day. And you grow at the rate of which you really learn the lesson. You can either be an overcomer or you can be overcome with evil. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's an easy memory verse. I know... Rick gave you another one this morning. And teenagers, I'm sure Cameron gave you it too, right? It's in Psalm 84, 86. It's a great verse. Learn it. But add this one. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. What does that mean? That just simply means when evil's knocking on the door, pushing to get in, don't let it do the good that the Holy Spirit wants you to do. He'll give you the strength and overcome the evil in your life. Be an overcomer. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. But we must walk in the Spirit. Let's stand.